and welcome to Heart of the City, another edition of the podcast, Hot City, right here at the Halifax Central Library. I am and continue to be your host, Tova Sherman, and today we're going to actually be talking specifically about the love of music and the power of music. I believe it was Billy Joel who once said, I think music in itself is healing. It's an explosive expression of humanity. It's something we're all touched by. No matter what culture we're from, everyone loves music. That's pretty much true, and I think we've all got those special songs that trigger a memory. For me, putting on Billie Holiday, you might as well put me into a a complete and full depression, but I still love her music. What's that about? There's some emotional response that music triggers. We know that there's a deep connection to music, and it's hardwired into our brains and bodies. In fact, a senior advisor of policy and research at the American Music Theatre Association, Barbara Else, said the following, the elements of music rhythm, melody, etc., are echoed in our physiology, functioning, and in our very being. Given that deep connection we have with music, I don't think anyone would be surprised that numerous studies have shown the benefit of music and mental health. In fact, in 2011, researchers at McGill University found that listening to music actually increases the amount of dopamine produced in the brain And dopamine, for those of you who don't know, is a mood-enhancing chemical, which makes it feasible for treatment for depression. Fascinating. But earlier this year, there was also a report on a study published by the Lancet Psychiatry that suggested listening to hip-hop music in particular, and in particular that of Kendrick Lamar, (laughs) actually helped individuals understand better their mental health disorders. But what's really interesting is we're going beyond music and mental health. We're looking now at the health benefits of music for the entire being, for the entire body. And in fact, I really was interested in the thought around reducing pain and anxiety through music. It was Bob Marley who once sang, one good thing about music, when it hits you, you feel no pain. I assure you I did not do that in a reggae parlance for good reason. But the the statement is really true. And in fact, there was an incredible study of 7,000 patients who received surgery. And researchers found those who played music after their procedure reported feeling less pain and less anxiety than those who simply did not listen to music. They were also less likely to need pain medication. That's pretty fascinating. In fact, a doctor on the study said, if music was a drug, it would be marketable. Music is a non-invasive, safe, cheap intervention that should be available to everyone undergoing surgery. I always remember my mother going into a surgery for her cancer that she was given very bad odds. When I say bad odds, I mean 5% survival rate. And she asked me to get all the Johnny Cash music I could get and put it on a little Walkman or an iPod. And before she went into surgery, we put that on her so she didn't have to listen to all of the doctors and the anesthesiologist and the, the beeping and the, all the different strange noises one finds in both a pre-op and a post-op. And in fact, that music after her operation and they let us in, we put it back on. And she commented over and over again, and we joke to this day that if it wasn't for Johnny Cash, she may have never made it at all. So music is truly a power. And I can't think of anyone who could tell us more about that than today's guest, and certainly our in-house expert on many things, including music, 
and that's Dr. Bruce Mills. When we come back from our break, Dr. Mills is going to speak to us, but not just from the perspective of a very respected psychologist and expert in pain management, but as a published and accomplished composer of some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard. So we'll be right back here in Heart of the City. But first, let's go to a streeter on the question, has music had a positive influence on your life? And when we come back from break, we're going to find out from Bruce Mills exactly what that looks like. This is Heart of the City. Listen to a streeter, listen to a little commercial break, and come right back. I definitely do. Admittedly, I don't use music as much of an outlet as I have in the past, just because I've just been busy and I don't think to listen to music, which is kind of sad. But I think it can be therapeutic in a number of ways, especially if you create music as well. I think that that's a really good way to kind of let out some emotion and expression. I think that music is a universal language and anyone can connect to it without even really knowing what the meaning of the song is. They can... It's subjective. They can make their own meaning to it. Reachability and their facilitators and staff helped to bring it out of me. Reachability has a wide range of experts and programs focusing on self-awareness, health and wellness, education, employment, and recreation. I feel more energetic. I feel more proud of myself. I have more self-confidence. I didn't think I could do it, but I did. For more information, visit reachability.org. Welcome back to Heart of the City, live here at the Halifax Central Library. We're very pleased again to have what I call my in-house expert, Dr. Bruce Mills, joining us to talk about the power of music. But I should also direct everybody who's listening to today's podcast to brucemillsmusic.com which is where you can actually l listen to the original compositions of Dr. Mills and some of the really beautiful transcendent music, I think, that he, uh, he composes and, and also performs. So welcome back, Dr. Bruce Mills. Thank you. You multi-talented dude, you. Yeah. So Bruce, we are talking about the power of music today. Right. And although you can speak to us certainly as someone who is an expert in pain management and you know is mm. pretty privy to all these studies I referred to in the first segment, but what I really wanted to start with, Bruce, is perhaps a little bit of your own personal uh, discovery and how music has become so powerful for you. I think the story might be a little bit different for people that actually make music and people that use music that other people have written for uh, therapeutic, for pain management kinds of issues. When I was thinking about doing today's segment, I was thinking, uh, I, I think in terms of uh, popular music being used music, used ideas, used words, and for me, much of that music is is cliche, and a lot of popular music is cliche, and it does, frankly, absolutely nothing for me, nothing for my soul. And you know, I think you'll hear a lot of composers say that. That's so interesting, right. and of course, such a different perspective, as you said, from mine. Whereas I've I've connected to certain music that brings right. me to a place. So for you, Bruce, how is it different? Certain kinds of music do do does something for me emotionally it I find it healing other music I hate I find it distressing and I think that can be said for for most people not all music is healing not all music is soothing or calming not all music stimulates dopamine and epinephrine some music it just makes you angry frustrated increases pain 
I, increases tension, increases anxiety. Or That's increases depression in the case of sometimes I have to be careful not to listen to Billie Holiday at certain points in my day because I can start heading down a dark road. If a composer, though, in my own case, was at a, I was at a point in my life, I had a terminal diagnosis like your mother, and actually around the same time as Tova's mother, we both had that 5% survival rate type of diagnosis. I was given a six-month prognosis, and my treatment plan and surgery and so forth that was going on was so dramatic I could barely speak. And my handwriting had become so minuscule that no one could read it, not even myself. And the sense of losing myself to death, which was imminent six months, no language could express uh, the kind of reduction that I was feeling. And so every day uh, during those six months, I would sit at my keyboards and do music. And it wasn't, I don't think it was great music, but it substituted for the spoken word. And it wasn't used music. It wasn't music that anyone had ever heard before, least of all not me. But it was a way of expressing feelings, thoughts, ideas, fears, hopes in a way that words could not do at the time. I, I actually have none of that music remains. I've thrown it all in the garbage. But at the time, it was a, it was a temporary bridge to reality. And when you're losing everything, in particular when you're losing your life, it feels like there's nothing to hold on to. The people around you love you. That's a cliche. It means nothing. When you're, when you're dying and people say, we love you, uh, your family loves you, people care about you, people are praying for you, there's angels everywhere. Those things, after a while, become powerless. They become cliches. They mean nothing. But this single thread of music that I did every day for many, many hours was that thread that kept me connected somehow to myself and to the very small a decreasing world around me. So what I'm hearing is, and it is very unique, and that's why, I mean, I really mm -hmm. wanted your story here today because, again, here you are someone whose expertise is in pain management. You yourself get a terminal diagnosis, and it is your love of music, and you, you are an accomplished composer, so it's not yeah. like you, you were just learning to, the music. I mean, you're a player and you're a composer before this, but this ability to then turn all of that and, and, and be able to manage through the music. I mean, right. is it a survival technique or am I over-dramatizing? It was for me a survival technique. And I have to tell you something else, that I was not a composer before cancer. That cancer uh, awakened something in me, uh, a, a kind of inner dialogue, a kind of inner discourse that did not exist in me before. It was uh, a life-changing, of course, a terminal diagnosis is a life changing event and when you survive that it becomes uh, almost a, a point of departure for a new life for a second life and from that point that is when I started composing music and yes I did go and work for the College of Family Physicians and I worked for the Canadian Psychological Association and I worked for Health Canada and so forth after that but I felt this loyalty to that inner discourse that originated in those very dark six months, that, that period of 
uh, um, I can't explain it. It was a, a, a total alienation from everything familiar, the world around me, from people around me, from my family. And that was 20 years ago, if I'm not... That I'm was, a bad with the math, but I think it's about 20 years ago where you were given that kind of diagnosis, and here we are 20 years later having the pleasure of talking well, about the power of music. There are very few people who can say this is the 20th anniversary of my terminal diagnosis. That's right, and as they say, the reports of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. They were here we indeed. are. But when you ask, was it a survival mechanism, I believe it was. I mean, aside from, you know, truly uh, mammoth doses of, of pain management drugs and co-analgesics that included antipsychotic medication at the time, that music was the thread, I believe, that kept me connected to some kind of life force. It was, a, it, it was an essential part of my day every single day for six months. Now, how has that evolved? Because, again, that six months, you get past that date where they say this is your sort of demise date. You run past that, and that's 20 years ago. Tell me about the evolution of the power of music for you and how you've also turned it into something much more than just a personal experience. At the time, this thread, this music, was a, was a discourse. It was a dialogue. It was a narrative. It had no words. So the songs didn't have titles, they didn't have, uh, there were no lyrics, but the music conveyed an emotion, a feeling, uh, a sense of presence in myself and in the world that was so dark. The music has evolved from that time, of course. My first compositions, which began about 10 years ago, which are now on my website, do have titles. The ones after that started having lyrics. Some of them were, uh, some, some of the music is, of course, about that time, but most of it is a, is a point of departure from that time. Some of it's just fun. But the neat thing about it is that now the music has words. Now I kind of know what it means. And for you, Bruce, do you have any regret, first of all, not saving that music looking back no, now? No, no. You know, people say music makes you feel something. This was the opposite. This was me making the music feel something. Mm. And, and that music, I don't think, would translate into anything that anybody would like or appreciate or understand, least of all, not me. When I listened to it before I tossed, you know, 80 cassettes in the garbage, when I started listening to it, it was terrible. It was very slow. It was, it was a lot of it was atonal. It was chaotic. And no longer did it make any sense. But at that time and for that purpose, it was the perfect remedy to some degree. It was, it was a, 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 a cure, I think, a psychological, a psychiatric, an emotional cure for the anxiety that accompanies a, a terminal diagnosis. It was a, it was a force that I can't even translate into words into English. Yeah. So that's very powerful. So right. here we are today, and we're looking at this person that had a very ex 
very personal expression moment and now right. is someone who threw your website and we're going to be featuring one of your songs on today's show sure. so at the end of the podcast make sure that you're listening yeah. because uh, if you like it go to brucemillsmusic.com and get yourself a copy but I, I, I want to go back because your music has gone from something so personal to frankly something that we, we can all gain from and right. that evolution I think is really important because I don't know that we could all you know again that's your unique story I mean right. we can all make music for ourselves but you know, past the point where we threw out the 80 cassettes, and I'll try not to age you, yeah. but the 80 cassettes, um, we have to ask ourselves, how did it then evolve, and is this the norm? Is this an exception? I don't know. You know? Well, now I'm writing music about something. Some of its music, of course, is always about our personal stories. It's, you know, music tells a story. I've written music about where I live on the ocean. I've written music about being on Fifth Avenue in New York. I've written music about love stories, love, loss, you know, the cliche kinds of stuff. And, you, and you're still finding, obviously, the, the personal gratitude. But I guess what I want to hear a little bit about is how do those of us take advantage of that journey in a sense that you take? Is there, is there something for us to gain when we go to your website and we listen? I mean, how sh you know, is there something we can gain from your experience on a really personal level, because I think your music I is think, extremely I, personal. You know, I, I, I think, I don't want to sound like Beethoven, right? I don't write music for everybody. We do mean the composer, not the dog. Right. But I'm saying that there's probably something there that people will like, that people will identify with. There's stuff there that people will hate or be indifferent to. Whatever your emotion, I suggest that right. you uh, can reach out to Bruce Mills at uh, brucemillsmusic.com sure. and let him know what you think. I really challenge you all to listen to some of his music and let us know what your take was. Right. And Bruce would be really interested in something like that. We're going to take a quick break here on Heart of the City. I always have such enjoyment talking with Dr. Bruce Mills, no matter what the subject. So we will come right back and we are going to give him my favorite five questions that I ask all my guests and see what Bruce has to say. This is Heart of the City from the Halifax Central Library. We're to be right back. Bath is back. Thanks to the great success of our inaugural year, the Blue Nose Ability Film Festival is coming to Halifax Central Library with more filmmakers, screenings, and industry events than ever before. Bath is Atlantic Canada's first and only disability film festival. From technical training for industry professionals to interactive activities for the beginner, there is something for everyone. And every event we offer is free. For more information, surf your way to baff.ca. That's B-A-F-F dot C-A. And welcome back to Heart of the City, right here at the Halifax Central Library, truly the heart of our city, Halifax. And uh, I'm returning with, again, one of my favorite guests of all time, Dr. Bruce Mills, who shared with us a little of his personal experience around music and also his professional experience as a published composer and someone whose music I get a great deal of comfort from. If you would like to hear more or try more, and listen to more of Dr. Mills Music, just check out brucemillsmusic.com. Couldn't be easier. Um, today's show, at the end, we will have the opportunity to tack on one of uh, Bruce's pieces, and I'm excited to get some feedback from all of our listeners on what you thought. So, Bruce, um, we broke it. This has been a great conversation for me because I've never had the opportunity to speak to someone not only who has experienced the importance of music from such a serious level, a terminal level, right. when you were given your first diagnosis 20 years ago, and then now as a, as a full-out, 
published composer. It's just such a wonderful evolution, in addition to what you do for me, which is be president of Reachability here thank in Nova you. Scotia. So thank you for that. I never give you the credit. But I thought I'd wrap up today by asking you my favorite five questions. As you know, I'm quite inspired by the actor's studio and okay. James Lipton. And although I didn't have the chutzpah, as they say, to steal his five questions word for word, I did develop five of my own that I thought would be Perfect. interesting for all of our guests at Heart of the City. So, Bruce, my first question is, where is your favorite place for coffee? My favorite place for coffee is in Herring Cove, and it's the original Pavia. And I meet you and Joe there sometimes. That's true, and I love it there. Yeah. And I do love the cappuccino downstairs, and yeah. I'll be honest. I mean, they aren't giving me any advertising dollars yet, or I hope you're listening, Pavia. <laughs> okay. But we do love your coffee and certainly encourage everyone coming into the library to stop place. there for a great cappuccino. And or enjoy the art as well. Enjoy, And, of course, in Herring Cove, what a wonderful outdoor deck. You better yeah. hurry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that said, Bruce, so we know your favorite place for coffee. And in fact, you and I share the same place for coffee. And that's possibly because we go up for coffee occasionally. Yep. But what about your brush of greatness? I say that because I've had such excitement in bumping into the most unique people, such as Duke Ellington, I often okay. tell people about. What about you? Do you have a brush of greatness story? I have a bunch. I have Princess Diana in Toronto. Okay, let's do that one because that's cool. No, that's no? not my best one. My, oh. my, that was not really so much a. You didn't actually bump into each other. Yes, we were at the same event. But. And then I had uh, 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 a brunch in Vancouver with Elizabeth Taylor. Was she awake? Which was, she was very short, and she smelled fantastic. She smelled fantastic. My best one, though, was in 1998, was going to the United Nations on the Prime Minister's plane to... Should we dare ask which Prime Minister? Jean Chrétien. Okay, just checking. And I flew... Because if you said Diefenbaker, we were cutting. I flew with the Governor General, Raina Titian... Who was the who had we been the governor general, yeah. and we went to the New York uh, to the United Nations, and we received the Roosevelt International Disability Award, and we had supper with the Roosevelt family. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, that may be Duke Ellington in the band Maybe. at the Royal York, but that's a pretty damn good one. Yeah. So let's keep going because that's definitely okay. a high note. All right. Bruce, I mean, this may seem uh, unusual for you in terms of all of the wonderful careers you've already had, but what would be your dream job? I think my dream job is what I'm doing right now. I Could you love tell us what that is? We've all been wondering. There's two things. I love being president of Reachability. Okay. It's 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 a I think a life calling. And I think it is for you, too. Yeah. And the second thing, I love composing music. And I love living in Herring Cove. So you're doing pretty good. Gardening coffee, and cutting and gardening. Wood. Yeah, it's fantastic Beach life. life. We get it. So what do you love about Halley? I'm not sure if we haven't already heard the answer, but what do you love most about being in Halifax? Because both you and I were here, left for many of our adult years, yes. returned with, I think, a real appreciation of our community. What I was out thoughts? of here for 25 years. I think when I left, it was a very sad city. When I came back, it's a very different city. What I love most about this city is the water. I, I think a city on the water is always a little edgy, and, and I like that about the city. I like the diversity of the cultures here. I like, uh, your last guest talked about how new the city is. It's not a new city, it's a very, very old city, and you can feel that spirit here. I agree. I always say that Halifax slowed, uh, Tova slowed down and Halifax sped up and we met in the middle. Yeah. And that's certainly been my experience. And finally, what are you reading these days, Bruce? I'm reading, uh, this is old and the library staff will kill me, but I'm reading The Ground Beneath Her Feet by Salman Rushdie. And I'm timeless, Bruce, timeless. Timeless, okay. And I'm reading uh, Psychology in America, which is a history of uh, psychology in the United States by Ernest Hilgard. 
Okay, that's so about, pretentious, but no, we love it. No, it's about 15 years old. A I have to, you know, can't just focus on art all the time. Right, so I should stop reading my Archie Digests and move on to something a little bit I more deep? I think maybe it's time. Yeah. All right, I'll look at the Wizard of Id. Anyway, okay. as always, it's a pleasure to have you, Bruce. And uh, uh, today's show in particular means a great deal to me. me too. And being able to share that story that you have and allow people to hear real honest importance of music we can read articles and we can read studies till we turn blue yeah. but it's the human stories that make heart of the city truly what it is which is the yeah. heart of the city so for all of our listeners i thank you very much we're going to come back after this quick break with the library to share some of this week's reading and maybe a few anecdotes about uh some stories around music in the library we will be right back with heart of the city and thank you again dr bruce mills thank you will you be around town for the holidays if so, drop into the Aldernegate Library on Saturday, December 24th at 10 a.m. for our Christmas Eve stress chill-out for adults. Take a breather and duck into the library for a few quiet moments of adult coloring. Chill out with trance music and enjoy some spicy Mexican hot chocolate. We'll set you up for the rest of the holidays. We're inviting our friends from the library to contribute to the dialogue. Today we've talked a lot about the power of music and our musician of the day continues to be Dr. Bruce Mills and certainly uh, his piece of music is something I think you're gonna enjoy listening to. But first I wanted to uh, welcome back our good friend, uh, Heather, who is the diversity officer right here at the Halifax Central Library. And Heather, I know that you've done a little bit of research and thank you for, uh, around uh, music and music therapy. And I wondered what you could recommend for us today from the library for people coming in and wanting to maybe investigate a little more. Sure, Tova. And I, was, I found some really interesting things when I did the research. I wasn't quite sure what we had or how much we had. So I was pleasantly surprised to see that we had a pretty decent collection, both in music uh, itself and also books about um, the power of music. Um, we have a collection, uh, a series of CDs called Music for the Mozart Effect. And each CD in this series has a different goal. So volume one, for example, is called Strengthen the Mind. Uh, volume two is Heal the Body. And volume three is Unlock the Creative Spirit. So depending what your need was, this music is all designed to help um, those things happen. And uh, of course, for books, we had some, a lot of really different, interesting ones. Um, one was sort of a personal memoir called Fallen, A Trauma, A Marriage, and the Transformative Power of Music by Kara Stanley. Uh, we have another one called The Secret Language of the Heart, How to Use Music, Sound, and Vibration as Tools for Healing and Personal Transformation. And that's a new book, 2016, by Barry Goldstein. It's very timely, certainly, in our conversation with Dr. Mills just earlier mm -hmm. about how music was truly one of his lifelines and one of his survival techniques during a very difficult that time. That was an astounding story of, of Dr. Mills. It was just amazing. Um, and this one sounds like a little lighter, perhaps. It's called Your Playlist Can Change Your Life. We can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> Ten proven ways your favorite music can revolutionize your health, memory, organization, alertness, and more. So that's a, a big... Uh, Big task for a playlist. Big promise, I big would say, by the authors. <laughs> so we'll see if that book delivers. And uh, <laughs> Let us know, listeners, if yeah. you take out any of these books or music and you have opinions on them, we'd love to hear what you yeah. think about them. And just remember, some of these titles uh, may also be available as audiobooks or e-books. So of course, we have books in, in different formats. So if you like to have carry your books around with you and listen, um, when we list these books in our database on, on our catalog, it'll say if it's a print book 
or sometimes we also have an ebook version, so you may be able to uh, have it in whatever format you choose. Which we think is also part of the whole thing. Heart of the City is clearly trying to take an inclusive look at what makes our city tick, and some of those sharper edges and some of the issues in our city. And I really love that we can do it here at the library, not just because of the beauty of the building or the, the messaging of being in the heart of the city, but because there are so many resources and such a, an important an importance has been put on inclusion here at the library, and we're so grateful for that. So thank you again, Heather. We always love having you and your team here. And remember, everybody, come back next week where we're going to have another really interesting subject and interesting guest right here at Heart of the City, filmed in the heart of the city, the Halifax Central Library. So let's listen to Dr. Bruce Mills, and let's thank Heather. Have a great day, everybody. When there's nothing left to believe in And when there's nothing left to live for I feel your touch I feel your breath on me I'm holding on I'm holding on to you With every single step that I take every day with every dream and every word I pray without you my world just falls apart I'm holding on I'm holding on to you I'm holding on to more than what my eyes can see I'm holding on to more than what my hands can make I'm holding on to more than what my heart can take When I don't know what I'm doing here I remember I'm holding on to you I'm holding on to you I'm holding on To the winds that blow Across the fields Of golden grain I'm holding on To the waters that flow In the river I'm holding on to the falling rain I'm holding on to the mountains I'm holding on to the valleys I'm holding on to the stars shining high above my head I'm holding on to the days and years gone by I'm holding on to the time that remains I'm holding on to more than what my eyes can see I'm holding on to more than what my hands can make I'm holding on to more than what my heart can take I'm holding on to all the words that no one ever said 
to me I'm holding on to all the journeys left behind me on the road I'm holding on to all the songs that always make me feel so sad When I forget what I am living for I remember I'm holding on, I'm holding on, I'm holding on to you I'm holding on, I'm holding on, holding on to you I'm holding on, holding on, I'm holding on to you I'm holding on, I'm holding on, holding on to you